This podcast is proudly sponsored by Joro Protein, a Rhode Island plant-based protein supplement company designed for athletes and adventurers. They deliver 25 grams of protein, 5 grams of BCAAs, and 18 essential vitamins and minerals. It's non-GMO, it's gluten-free, it's allergen-free, no artificial flavors, no added sugar or stevia, and it has no additional gums, thickeners, or fillers. Right now, you can get 30% off on this podcast with the code JOROROADYSTRENGTH2022, and you can find them at JOROPROTEIN.COM. This podcast is brought to you by Phase CBD. That's P-H-A-Z-E. They are a local Rhode Island company who makes and manufactures a wide-ranging variety of CBD products that are formulated specifically for athletes. It doesn't matter if you're a crossfitter, a strongman, bodybuilder, or powerlifter. These products are for you. These products range from tinctures to seltzers to even roll-on applicants. By supporting this business, you're supporting a local Rhode Island business and you're supporting this podcast directly. Please check them out at baysports.com. All right, what's going on, guys? Dr. Matt here, host of the Roadie Strength Podcast. Awesome guest on today. We have Crisanto Diagostino, weightlifter. We're over at Providence Barbell Club right now. Uh, they're graciously letting us use their studio space over at uh, Jared's office. So, what's going on, man? Not much. Just uh, early morning, get this podcast yeah. in, going to Sox game later today. So, let's have some fun. Let's have some fun. Yeah, that's exciting. Like, I was just talking to you off air. I haven't been to a Sox game in a while. So, uh, and it seems like the weather's gonna be pretty good. I don't think you're gonna be like, sweating like super hot, like July heat in your in your seats. So no, nah, pretty pretty moderate the next week. I think. I mean, the rest of the U.S. is getting 100 degrees everywhere, <laughs> but here by the ocean, it's nice, 70 degrees, sunny, pretty nice. Yeah, yeah no, that'd be a blast. Um, so I'm gonna just give you a quick overview of um, some of your statistics, uh, some of your accolades, and then we'll get right into the rapid fire questions. Um, and if I screw anything up or get anything wrong, uh, let me know. So uh, you're a weightlifter. Uh, you're also a baseball player. A uh, former. Former yeah, baseball I, player. Yeah. Um, you've competed at Junior Worlds, uh, five-time national champ, four-time Team USA weightlifter, Junior Pan Ams medalist. You're in the 96-kilogram weight class, and currently you compete for East Coast Gold weightlifting team. Yep, yep. Good stuff. Um, so we'll get right into the fire questions next. Uh, first one. One of my favorite questions, because I love coffee, but uh, if you have a favorite coffee shop, either in Rhode Island or anywhere else, I know you uh, were living in Minnesota mm-hmm. previously, or if you don't drink coffee, that's totally cool too. I guess I'm not that big of a coffee connoisseur, but I, I like my Dunkin'. There we um, go. <laughs> yeah. I guess out in Minnesota, I kind of miss it a little bit, so whenever I'm back here, I oh. get Dunkin' every once in a while. There's, yeah. there's one like two hours away, but... Um, really? Yeah, it's, it's all caribou Starbucks out there. Well, uh, is Caribou another coffee shop? Yeah, Caribou. Yeah, it's Midwest kind of based. Gotcha. Okay. Um, but also down in Virginia Beach, I was introduced to a, a badass coffee. Um, they're based out of Hawaii, but they've got oh, a okay. few stores in the U.S. It's pretty good. Oh, that sounds great. What do you get? What do you get at Dunkin'? What's your go-to? Usually uh, some signature iced latte. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> good stuff. So you go fancy. You're yeah. like, I don't have it too often, so I'm gonna right. get a nice one. Right. Treat <laughs> <Solid>. myself. <laughs> um. How about favorite breakfast spot? And the same thing, it could be Rhode Island, could be somewhere else. Um, Waffle House. Um, okay. Also not where, where I'm from, <laughs> but I, I mean, traveling a lot, there's a lot of Waffle Houses kind of down south-ish, so um, that's pretty good. And yeah. then uh, 
I mean, I haven't been here for too much. I haven't explored too much, but I just had uh, Providence Bagel. Oh, yeah. Just Great the other spot. day, really good. I got the uh, the Green Monster and nice. the, the Up North Bagel, so those are both really good. You got the correct pronunciation on there, too. Yeah, yep. <laughs> yeah, I've been here long enough to know that. <laughs> good stuff. Uh, yeah, Waffle House, uh, I don't even actually know if I've ever been there, but, uh, I mean, every time I go down south, I'm like, oh, we got to go to the Waffle House. Like, yeah. it's such a staple down south. Right. Um, favorite Instagram accounts. Now, this could be uh, something that's inspiring, something that you just find is, like, funny or entertaining um, or something maybe that's like educational like something that you pop up on your feed and you're like oh that's cool or it could be um, someone that you like to follow same thing um so I, I like to see big lifts cool yeah so uh, hook grip all things gym uh, hook grip videos are so cool yeah the slow-mo is really cool just kind yeah. of break down technique and totally and see that um but also uh, my coach Philly Sab I like whenever he, videos pop up from him it's always it's good to see and I mean, any of my friends, like Morgan, posting some big videos, uh, big lifts and stuff. It's it's always fun to pop oh, up man. in my feed. A hundred percent. Yeah, that's that's cool being a part of um, East Coast Gold, and uh, I guess we'll talk about a little more into that as we get into it. But uh, um, having Philly Sab like on your side, that's really mm-hmm. cool. Yeah. Um, awesome. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a big fan of hook grip videos too. Every time those come across, especially if it's a lifter, I know I'm like, damn, that looks yeah. sick. Yeah. <laughs> uh, how about favorite podcasts? Um, so I guess recently with the Red Sox season, I've been listening to a bunch of their podcasts. Cool. So Inside the Monster and then the Jared Carabas podcast, um, both those hosts are kind of, I mean, not really friends with each other, but it's, it's still interesting <laughs> to hear, hear both sides, um, listen to them while, when I'm driving and stuff. Totally. But also, um, Barbell Shrugged. Um, nice. More so the nutrition aspect with uh, Dan Garner. Mm. Everything that he has to say is very very insightful and i kind of try and uh, absorb that knowledge that i hear from him totally that's interesting you say that that's that was one of the first uh podcasts i started listening to just in general oh, wow. was barbell shrug they've been out for a while yeah. um i think i started listening to them when i was in grad school actually jared who's officer right now put me on to them okay. um right back in the days like mike bloodsoe doug larson mm-hmm. um uh ctp um chris the barbell buddha like all, all those guys who passed away yeah. a few years ago, um, I have his books too. But yeah, that's a fantastic podcast. Actually, I haven't I haven't followed them recently. I know they split up into a, a lot of different kind of like uh, different podcasts from that one like umbrella almost. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Mo- most recently it's been a lot of Dan Garner nutrition stuff, mm-hmm. kind of how to optimize your training based on your nutrition, certain things that are like can affect your hormones and stuff like that. So sure, I, f- I find that. Um, really really insightful as far as what i'm trying to focus on little things yeah i'll have to check that back out and you, you mentioned the name jerry carbus is that a carabas yeah. oh carabas he's a former barstool guy um just a social media um kind of presence type dude a lot of twitter stuff um cool. a lot of like red Sox reporting and stuff he's kind of got the inside scoop on a lot of things so. oh nice so he, he's baseball but kind of like a little barstool flair to him. yeah nice. yeah definitely oh that's gonna be funny to watch uh, next one we got favorite books, um, and it's, a lot of people today too are just like I'm, I'm more of a podcast listener than a like a book reader. But if you have any that you like, or or if you listen to any on Audible, um, so I don't really read any books kind of in my free time. But I guess whatever <laughs> whatever college textbook I'm, I'm taking a class in, that's that's my nose is in there. <laughs> totally. I, most recently, I've been listening to a lot of podcasts too. Yeah, so. totally. I, yeah, I go I go through phases. Um, mm-hmm. And I was just talking, we just had Dave, um, who's here now on the, on the podcast, uh, and he was talking about, too, how 
um, or actually, was it Dave? I had another guy on too, um, a jiu-jitsu guy, and uh, uh, Brett. He was talking about how like podcasts are great because you, you almost feel like you're part of the conversation. Mm-hmm. But Audible is almost like a lecture, like someone's or, or a book, a yeah. book on tape. It's almost like someone's talking to you. So they're both great, but sometimes you kind of feeling one more than the other. You yeah, know, you're so. definitely kind of more connected in, in, into a podcast because you know if you're watching like a YouTube video or a TV show, like yeah. you know some things are funny. But like when I'm listening to a podcast and something funny comes up, I like actually kind of <laughs> laugh out loud. So. Totally, totally. It's a good connection. Yeah. Um, any travel plans? Um, next Friday, I leave for Vegas for Nationals Week. Nice. I'll be there for 12 days, actually. So that's longer than the competition, but I'm sticking around after vacation with my dad in Vegas. So cool. That'll be a fun trip. That's awesome. Um, all right. So we're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to get into some of your history of, into weightlifting, um, into the East Coast gold, and uh, some of the records and, and things you've been able to accomplish. Cool. All right, and we're back. So first thing we wanted to get into is kind of how you found the sport and how you got into weightlifting. So, I mean, ever since I was a kid, ever since I could remember, I've been playing baseball. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, some of my most, I guess, earliest memories of in sports through baseball, like 11, 12U baseball, stuff like that. Sure. So by the time I got into high school, um, I kind of realized what I needed to do to be a varsity baseball player, to be a college baseball player, so... I found the weight room, and I, I played football also. After my freshman football season, I wandered into the weight room to try and do some power cleans, some squats and stuff, and uh, the head weightlifting coach, strength coach there, Corey Herman, um, he recruited me to be on the weightlifting team because in uh, Minnesota, we've got a high school league of weightlifting. That's wild because not a lot of high school places have a weightlifting team at all. No. It's like like in Texas, they've got powerlifting. Florida's also got weightlifting. Um but really nowhere else no. they, they had it's, it's nothing like in minnesota like when i tell people when i first came here like yeah i got my start through high school they're kind of they're like what? kind of at all by that. yeah because yeah, it's i mean it's it's very organized mm. and when you think about it it fits in perfectly you know to how high school sports kind of works mm, it so it, it, it runs through the winter season um kind of like wrestling and you've got meets every couple of weeks um kind of, I guess, like an off-season period between the transition from fall into winter to you've got time to prep for your first meet sure. at the end of the year. So, yeah, that's how I got my start. Um, he recruited me based off of my build because I've, I've got, a, yeah. I'd say, a pretty prototypical build for weightlifting. Sure. Um, not so much baseball. Um, sure. But I kind of knew, at least with my height being like 5'7", that mm. I needed to be a lot stronger than the other guys out there on the on the diamond who are six two, six four. Kind of, they have the levers, but I've I've got to build that strength. Right. So that's where I found myself in the weight room, and I didn't really have a winter sport that year. I or mm-hmm. I played football in the fall and then baseball spring summer. So nice. It fit in perfectly. Just another thing to kind of do um, with my time in the winter, and I mean, yeah, I mean, history. If you think about if you think about a lot of people in the off season anyway, that's what they're doing is they're trying to get strong in the gym. Right. So it almost just fits perfectly. Even even with football too, you know, yeah. you're done with your football season you build that strength and then the summer you kind of transition get get some speed going and then into the fall you, you condition you're ready for football so that's also I guess kind of the mindset and how it fits in perfectly yeah did you did you see a lot of other athletes like in baseball and football take up weightlifting too or no not so much baseball I mean now there's a couple of guys here and there mm. um from baseball uh but just because they have other winter sports they don't really do weightlifting sure um, but definitely a lot of football players yeah yeah I mean it's 
it builds explosiveness. Yeah. It, it builds power. It builds strength. Right. So it just is a really great carryover for those sports. Mm-hmm. And they, sure. they say wrestling too. Like some, you'll get some of your, sure. your interior linemen doing uh, wrestling too to kind oh, of yeah, yeah. you know build build themselves in the trenches too. But I think also the the weight room aspect is another big part of the game too. I don't know if you follow um, CrossFit at all. Um, Not too much. There's a uh, I might get his name wrong. I can picture him. There's a high level CrossFitter who trains out of uh, CrossFit New England. Uh, Chandler Smith, okay, who um, during his off quote unquote off season for CrossFit, which they had, a, I think CrossFit's a tough sport because a lot of people just don't take an off season. Mm-hmm. Um, I think probably some more weightlifting. Yeah. Um, uh, so his coach was had the forethought and the, and the go ahead to say, hey, let's take it, let's give you an off season after the games, just do jujitsu for hmm. you know month or two yeah. just to give yourself a break and then get back into it yeah so that makes sense for the wrestling part yeah it kind of you know? keeps you more athletic kind of builds you as a more well-rounded yeah athlete in general you're working a lot of things that you normally wouldn't mm-hmm. like as far as like muscular wise and and positional wise movement Definitely. wise yeah more more body awareness too and so wrestling weightlifting combined too you've got to have a lot of awareness of your body oh totally 100 percent um, so, and, and that high school was Moorhead High? Moorhead High School, yep. Cool. And your, and your coach was, Corey Herman, was um, your weightlifting coach? Yeah, so at the time he was head strength coach. Um, he, the, the year that he recruited me was the first year that it was a varsity sport at the high school too. So mm-hmm. it was like a club, but it wasn't recognized as a varsity sport. Sure. So that was the first year of that. Um, and then uh, John Lubitz was also an assistant coach who's now currently the head coach because... Uh, Coach Herman uh, moved on to different things, but um, I mean a lot of other assistant coaches filtering in and out. But those mm. those two are, I guess, who I recognize as my first coaches. When, um, so I looked up that video uh, before we got on the interview, and um, the, um, I think they interviewed. I think it was Corey Herman was also on that video too, mm-hmm. and he was talking about um, how you're able to find success in the weight room, and and uh, he was basically talking about how you're a really driven, hard worker, always in the gym, um, always really coachable. Mm-hmm. And uh, he also really made sure to mention, like, hey, the assistant coaches had a huge impact on um, why you're able to do so well and just all the whole team. So I think that was really cool for him to point out because I feel like a lot of times assistant coaches don't really get much of a nod, like, hey, mm-hmm. he, hey, they did a really good job, you know? Right, right, yeah. So that's cool. So, so um, did you did you kind of find that um, within that high school environment, like um, – it seems like everyone had like uh, they knew their roles, but they also were able to, you know, play their part, and, and everyone was able to do their job as far as like um, uh, working as a team. Yeah. yeah. So I guess from a team aspect, weightlifting, you don't really think of it as a team sport because mm. it's, it's very individual. It's it's you and the barbell, and you're trying to you know fight against yourself, hit PRs and stuff. Um, but I mean, you put together a team of you know a couple kids per weight class, and then. At the end of the year, for, at least for uh, the high school league, it was team points, and you get a team award for the for the big state championship. So, nice. I mean, based based off of how you um, place, like first place, you get the most points, second, third, fourth, and down the line. Cool. Um, and so it's it's really a lot tighter, I think, at the high school level at being a team. Gotcha. Um, there's a, there's a lot of athletes. Like the ratio to athlete to coach is it's like twenty, at least for us. Really, we. I mean, three, four assistant coaches and 60 kids in a weight room. So our weight room in particular is pretty big. We have, I mean, right now we have 20 platforms, um, (laughs) like fully, fully outfitted too. Holy smokes. In a high school. Yep. Holy smokes. That's unheard of. Yeah. No, I I mean, I've heard the same thing when I explain it to everyone else here because we have 
pretty big high schools out there. Like my yeah. graduating class was almost 500. We got 2,000 students in the school. So, I'm. I mean, I don't know how it is now, but I don't even know if when I was in high school, um, if there were any weightlifting teams at all in Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> like maybe not even one. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's it's part of the sport that's helped it yeah. grow too. Oh, hundred percent. Yep. I would. Um, I was listening to a podcast with uh, Travis Mash. This was a while ago, and he was talking about how to grow the sport. Mm-hmm. And he said one of the things what, that we have to do is get it into colleges. Get, yeah. Get ways into colleges because then you're going to have the feeder programs of the high schools mm-hmm. and and the coaching and the off season and you know yeah. scholarships and it's going to get people excited about it. Yeah. So some of the big I guess college programs that have been around for a while like uh, Northern Michigan mm-hmm. they they get a lot of their athletes from Minnesota. No shit. Okay. Um, so I mean, there's no programs really close by like NMU was kind of the big one for a while and mm-hmm. now you've got a lot of other clubs and uh, programs kind of rising to the top also. Mm-hmm. But I mean. From from the university level, like where do you get those athletes from high school? Yeah, right. So I mean, Minnesota is the somewhere. only place that has that. Yeah. <laughs> did you, when you were looking at colleges, did you consider that at all? Um, a little bit. So, yeah. I mean, I was really driven to get recruited for baseball. Mm. Um, and I did. I got a couple of Division two offers. Nice. Um, but it really boiled down to just, I mean, staying at home, and that's why I ended up going to uh, Concordia, where I'm still at to play baseball. Nice. Um, but. The, the recruiting stuff for weightlifting kind of came really late. And I think I also developed really late, like into sure. my senior year. So sure. I wasn't really out there. My name wasn't really out there until sure. I guess it was too late. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> That's cool. And, and are, you playing, um, are you playing baseball now, you said? Or are you... No, no, so I, um, see, I, I did fall ball last, last fall, mm-hmm. practice and stuff. But I, mean, I ended up making a decision to step away from baseball this past mm. spring and cool just focus on weightlifting more um had some shoulder problems for when it came to throwing too so that was i guess a little dismotivating to, uh, sure. for that so i mean it doesn't hurt when i snatch or put the bar over my head <laughs> funny enough but it's it's that full full throwing motion that that's problematic for me so totally i, I mean i stuck with weightlifting and cool still trying to adjust to being a full-time <laughs> weightlifter now but um so last spring so you're about a year into it full-time uh, or is it just this this past spring? Yeah, so really, I guess it's ever like since a couple months ago. Yeah, cool, awesome. This is relatively recent. Mm-hmm. Um, one more question I had on the um, high school. So, uh, one record we got we got a shout out is uh, it, I don't know if it's still currently standing. You can tell me is you broke the Minnesota State and Moorhead School records for uh, for the total weight lifted two ninety six kilos, right? Yep. Yeah. yeah. So I mean they keep they keep track of records for snatch, clean jerk, and total. Mm. Um, and so my senior year when I was I mean, kind of on my victory lap, my last run of things. Um, I, I saw those numbers. I took a deep dive into the records and the uh, all the the past results and stuff, and so I was like, wonder what the the heaviest weight lifted ever was in the state yeah. of Minnesota. And I mean, high school weight has been around since uh, nineteen nineteen nineties in, in the state. And so I, I mean, I looked back at every single result, and I was wow. like, all right, so a one thirty point five kilo snatch and a one sixty clean and jerk. Yeah, uh, the heaviest lifts like period ever done uh, yeah. at the high school level, and so that Those was a pretty good list. Too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, for <laughs> for a, a seventeen, eighteen year old, that's yeah. pretty monstrous. No matter yeah. what weight you are, <laughs> seriously. So that was going into my senior year. That was my main motivation, and so I came in. I was totaling around two seventy, two seventy five. That mm. the fall of my senior year, and then 
I just I, I gained some weight. I was like 91 kilos, and I tried to completely fill in the 96 class. And so mm-hmm. I eventually got up to that, and you know, you gain weight, you you, you build muscle, and sure. the weights start to fly. So yeah. <laughs> um, things really lined up perfectly with our our high school home meet called the Spud Thud. That's so awesome our, name. Our, um, <laughs> well, our high school mascot is a Spud, Morehead Spuds, <laughs> nice. uh, potatoes. So yeah, right. right. <laughs> I mean, it's one of the more quirky high school mascots I out love there, it. but I mean, Spud Thud, because you drop the bar <laughs> right. and it makes a thud, so it, very, really cool name, and our, that was our home meet, and so it was a two-platform meet, you got 100 lifters overall from area schools, wow. um, I mean, probably 15, 10, 15 different schools are being represented there, um, mm. and huge crowds, too, a lot of parents, really? a, lot of, a lot of kids who stick around to watch, too, yeah, so I think, at least when I, when I started my snatch session, their bleachers were kind of around the platforms. Sure. I'd say there was probably two, three hundred people there. Wow. Yeah. So that I was, feel like that's like American Open, like pretty, pretty much. Yeah. I mean, I feel like you get more fans there because it's more local. Yeah. And people kind of just like walk in, sure. watch, watch their kids, and stick around. So sure. Um, that's cool. I, I kind of knew that going in. I was like, you know, this is this is the day. Yeah. And so I hadn't totaled. My best total at the time was two seventy five, and I decided to open at a 125 snatch which i was like you know i just want to get the, get the two reds <laughs> on the bar with the clips and open with that um and previously that week i hit a 131 snatch in mm. training so i was like just take the jumps accordingly yeah um, a few kilos here jumped to 128 on my second attempt and then 131 smashed it and that wow. was the state record that was kind of what what i came <laughs> what i trained for that up until that point um, and then cleaner jerks came around, and it was at least in Minnesota the, the sessions kind of are really big, and mm-hmm. so you have thirty lifters in a session. And so I had to wait, you know, what's normally at like an American Open or any national meet, like thirty minutes in between. It, it was hour and a half. Really? So I, I sat around for an hour, and I had to re get warm. Oh um, I man! I mean, whether it's enough rest time just to recover, or if someone gets cold, it. It's a blessing or a curse, but sure, yeah. in my case, I was able to re get warm, uh, warmed up, and then I decided to open clean and jerk a kilo below my PR because I was like, you know, I want to have two cracks at a, a state record, basically. Sure, sure. Um, even if things were to go well, so my PR at the time was 156, and I opened at 155. Also, just to kind of round things off, get a clean two reds and a yellow yeah. on the bar, um, and I smashed it. So I was like, all right. <laughs> that moved really I was like maybe I should take a 3 kilo jump and another 3 kilo jump to get to the state record I was like you know what let's just go right to it take yeah. a 6 kilo jump um, and so at the time also the uh, the state record total was 285 and so oh, the wow. 131 snatch 151 clean and jerk or 155 clean and jerk that would have together 286 mm. so I secured that with my opener and jumped right to a state record and I mean the crowd was kind of nuts I had to if, if you look at the video I kind of go kind of try and calm the crowd down because i don't i don't want people screaming in my face as i'm setting up for a clean sure jerk. sure um so i had to, to cool everyone down and smash that for my second attempt didn't really have anything else to lose after that mm. so i had had a 291 total at the time and then jumped right to 165 get that big blue on the bar nice. um and so that was also i guess kind of the thought process behind that attempt was we also have like school records you know football players you know clean back squat bench mm-hmm. um and so 165 kilos would have been 364 pounds to round it up. And that was that would have been an all-time school record for the heaviest clean. Wow. So I was like, at the very least, just clean it, get the <laughs> get the school record, come right. away with that win. But 
I mean, I was able to muster up the strength to put it overhead. That's awesome. And so that was, I mean, really the meat of a lifetime up to that point. Yeah, that's so cool. Um, I got a couple questions off of that. One, do you think um, do you think a lot of the future, like big name in weightlifting, are going to come out of places like like Minnesota? Because they have these like great high school programs. Yeah, I think they do a great job of developing young lifters. And yeah. When you're young, you're growing. You're going to see a lot of strength gains. And for me in particular too, I took that you know to the fullest advantage that I could. Sure. Um, but I mean, if other states can get programs together to the high school level, like sure. I mean, it's going to be like any other sport, like football or baseball, where you've got you know kids from high school going on to college and then going on to a professional, the professional level. So. Because that's what's, that's what's been one of the big drawbacks of, um, I would say, USA weightlifting for a while is you'd have a lot of um, people that, like, this is their second, quote-unquote, like, career of sport. You know, like, right. they'll play football through college or through high school, and then they pick up weightlifting, or they yeah. do this, you know. So, a lot, like, a lot of, like, even the most, uh, the past Olympic class from the U.S., like, yeah. West Kids, he was a football player. Yeah. Um, you know, other girls come from gymnastics and, sure. and crossfit in general too right. so i mean that's also another good pipeline because you've got these other athletes sure. coming in and if you're athletic you're gonna succeed well in the weight sure so i mean high school is coming up it is that's really cool um another question i had for you so when the crowd was really wild and you're and you're like calming it down yeah. so obviously most weightlifting meets are like that like yeah. when when someone um is getting ready for especially like a big clean jerk or snatch most people are like all right i need to just focus like mm-hmm. like calm the quiet uh calm the crowd down like in golf almost like you yeah. want to you want to be really intense but you want to be focused yeah um but i feel like on the on the flip side there are some lifters that are like all right let's go yeah like let's make some noise like <laughs> yeah i guess there's really no unwritten rule of how to cheer <laughs> sure. moments like that um i mean i like that analogy it's kind of yeah. like golf and then once they sure. hit the ball everyone cheers so sure yeah um, when I when I look at it, like if there's meets with like loud music going on, I'm like, I mean yeah, that's not more like that. That's not really what I would want. Like mm. I think in like the perfect situation in my head would be like you know the there's someone with the volume of the music they turn it down and then as you lift the music goes up kind of in between attempts to kind of keep sure I guess keep the crowd engaged and keep yeah. something going on. That's cool. Uh, yeah, I feel like it's probably the standard too mm-hmm. for how they do it. Um, all right, so we'll move on next into uh, some of the other bigger meets that you had. So I guess uh, chronological chronological order. We have the junior national championships. Yep. Yeah. So California. that was that was two weeks after I, I oh to- totaled two ninety six to the spud thud. So I I wasn't really in the best shape possible. But I mm. mean, after the spud thud, I kind of knew like if I can put up something close to this total in in California, like I'll come away with a couple of gold medals. Totally. Um, and so that's kind of what I did. I treated things a little more conservative because I, I knew I wasn't in in the best shape. So I opened. Snatch at 124, which is a kilo below I did or below the the previous two weeks ago, mm. um, and then went three for three. Ended up with a, another one kilo PR with a Smashed 132 it. snatch. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I mean, at that point, there was two other guys who were, I mean, at the beginning of it, kind of right on my tail. But I mm. set myself apart with that third attempt snatch. I was up by, I don't know, probably seven or eight kilos at that time. So I knew if I if I can hit an open and clean and jerk, that things will kind of fall into place, and I might not have the last attempt. Sure. But I know I'm so so far ahead in the snatch that out of that it's kind of out of reach for the other guys. Sure. So sure. I I only ended up hitting my open. I missed it on the first one, <laughs> and then hit 159 on the second. Um, but 
that was the thing kind of with, with national meets is it's such a quick turnaround from snatching to clean and jerk that yeah. my, my legs weren't ready for it. I, it was very weak. I, I was standing up cleans kind of slowly in the back. And so I was in the back of my mind a little worried, but I was like, if I mm. can just, just go out there and hit one attempt, I'll be fine. Yeah. So I did just that, um, had to sit back and wait for the other guys to basically just take um, gold medal attempts for the clean and jerk and not the total. Mm. Um, so I got gold in the snatch, but bronze in the clean and jerk, but it was enough for, for gold in the total. Yeah. And walked away with the national championship. That's awesome. Yeah. That's huge. How was your um, prep for that with two weeks? A lot of a lot of easy days. I don't think yeah. I had a single heavy day going into it because <laughs> I kind of had to preserve myself. Let you know all the basically going full send on, on two weeks prior to yeah. having to take time to refuel. I I, I weighed in a lot heavier mm. um, at at the national championships too. So oh, okay. Um, I mean, made sure that I had as much food in me as possible to recover to a hundred percent or as close to it. Sure. Did you um and were, who was coaching at that point? Did you make the transition to East Coast Gold? Then no, or no, so um, I was still part of the high school, and so uh, oh, Coach nice. Coach Lubitz also made the trip um, with me to Vegas or to um, to Pleasanton, California, to gotcha. help me warm up in the back, coach me, take video stuff like that. So I oh, wasn't awesome. there alone. Cool, cool. Mm-hmm. And then and next was your transition to um to East Coast. Yeah, so, uh, I mean, my senior year of high school graduated, and then COVID hit. It, I mean, it hit right after the national championships. Um, oh, yeah, okay. So, yeah, so, I mean, I was online for school. I was able to get some weights into my garage and kind of train after that. So, nice. I, I, once I graduated, it was like I'm not really a part of the high school program anymore. Um, right. I mean, those coaches have other things to worry about, family and um, yeah, other athletes, like, for, for the next fall and, and stuff. So, I mean, I, was, I guess at that point, I was kind of on my – on my own, I was just lifting for fun in the garage. There's in no... uh, Minnesota? Yep. Cool. Yeah, so I was still there. Um, and, I mean, there's no meets to really prep towards. Mm. So it was just like, have fun. If I feel like maxing this out on one day, I'll do that. <laughs> so, I mean, looking back at it, it wasn't like the smartest thing to do because there's no, there's no structure. I, I plateaued right. the entire summer. But, it, I mean, really? Yeah, it was fun. I, I, I think I came away with at least tech, technical changes that worked for me. Sure. Um, but no, no real gains in the snatcher clean and jerk. Mm. Um, so I mean that was a little disappointing. And so um, my family actually at the time, uh, end of that summer, moved to Rhode Island. So I came here, trained for a couple of weeks. There was a meet in August when I went back to Minnesota to go to college. Mm. Um, did that? I mean I totaled the same as I did, you know, that previous spring. What meet was that? That was the Minnesota State Championships. Oh, okay. So it was it was a local meet. Um, I totaled 291, same total as, uh, or 292, basically the same total as, mm. as I was in high school. Um, and I was like, you know, I'm not really making any any strides. Sure. With, uh, you know, I'm kind of fighting for that 300 total for the entire year. Yeah. Um, and so that's when I reached out to East Coast Gold because mm-hmm. family living on the East Coast, I wanted to find at least a, a big club with a lot of outreach. Totally. Um, and so, I mean, they were there, the ones, and then Phil got back to me and it was only three weeks before the uh, the mm. AO final, which was online. Um, that was here right. at, at Providence Barbell Club. Right, right. So uh, um, he was giving me programs for only three weeks until then to, <laughs> to get me ready for, for the online meet. Um, and I came back, and I totaled 296. So, I mean, matched my best total. Sure. Um, and so that the I guess the importance of that meet that was here was that was the last qualifier for Junior Worlds. Right. So I mean, 
that fall, I was like, you know, I kind of got to get my crap together if I want to make that team. Yeah. So I got a little structure, got some help from Phil, um, and I was able to come here. I had to be basically the, the, the second highest ranked 96 junior. Wow. Um, to, to make that team. Right. Because I guess how teams work, you got 10 athletes, 10 men, 10 women, uh, mm-hmm. with a max of two per weight class that'll make the team and, and travel. Gotcha. So I had to make sure I finished second best to Morgan at the right. time. He was he was the number one ninety six. So I I knew if I could be just I guess as close to his tail as possible, I'd make the team. And so <laughs> so I did. I I, I totaled two ninety six here, um, and that was enough to be named to the team. That's awesome. And um, how was that as far as like uh, I know you didn't have much time to talk with Phil, but how was that uh, communication? Was he really helpful for you in those last? Yeah, few, uh, so it was it was new. I get new, a new philosophy. Yeah, into weightlifting and programming. So I mean, a lot of questions I had to ask him what certain exercises were. Um, totally. But I mean, he was super helpful. Um, whenever he'd get back to me on how to do some things or, um, you know, what to do on a certain day. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was only three weeks, and it was not not a full not enough time to really peak for me. And so I, at that time mm-hmm. too, I'd never really peaked for a meet because in high school you compete every three to four weeks and so you're you have to be in shape the whole time pretty much <laughs> so this was this was a new way of weightlifting for me yeah that's cool um and you said you, you kind of just chose them you, you probably looked around at a lot of different clubs and you chose yeah. them because they're outreach yeah so yeah. I, I i looked at their website basically just looking at clubs on the east coach and they mm-hmm. the east coast and they had a lot of different affiliate clubs a lot of mm-hmm. athletes in general so i was like why not shoot my shot and yeah I mean, I don't regret anything. Yeah, totally. That's good. Yeah. Um, all right. So, I mean, that that transitions us to uh, Junior Worlds, which is so cool. Well, um, first, what? So you so you talked about the teams already. You get two people from um, from each weight class are able to make the team. Yeah, a max of two. So some weight classes won't will have no one because there's just no one you know ranked high enough in that weight class. So gotcha. Um, and then what's the what's the age cutoff? Is it eighteen for juniors or uh, twenty? Oh, it's twenty. So, yeah, twenty okay. by the that, that calendar year. So I gotcha. I turned twenty last December, and so that was the beginning of the year. Gotcha. Very cool. Um, so you won't be in juniors now. No. Yeah. So that was. I mean, that was also a lot of the motivation going into that team. Yeah. I was like, you know, this is my last year to be a junior and right. to, to make a team before moving on to the seniors and fighting with essentially the Olympians. So totally, that was a lot of the motivation for that entire calendar year. Definitely. Oh, that's so cool. Because I was I was gonna ask you earlier because um one of the lifters here, Ava, was just at yep, Worlds. Yeah, I saw that. What a couple days ago. Yeah, she competed two or three days ago, I think. Yeah. So um, but you but you're not in the age uh, category anymore Mm-mm. for junior. Yeah. Nope. Um. All right. So Junior Worlds, um, which is just in May of last year, May twenty twenty one. Um, you were in, so there was, and I, this is something else I looked, um, before this interview, I was watching online. There was some changes and, and the lo- location changed from Uzbekistan to Saudi Arabia or vice versa. Yeah. Um, so it was originally supposed to be March of that year in Saudi Arabia. Gotcha. And so okay. even, even at that time I was, uh, playing baseball at Concordia. Mm. Um, and so if it was, if it happened to happen in March in Saudi Arabia, it would have been, I'd have to step away from the team. Mm. Um, you know, it's like a week or two of practice that I'd missed before uh, the season would have started essentially right after that. Totally. Um, so it um, it was delayed, changed locations because of COVID. Um, Saudi Arabia wasn't really letting anyone in at the time. Oh, okay. And so from there, Uzbekistan picked it up. Um, had to delay it a little longer just to, 
you know, make sure they could get everyone into the country that they could get the visas out and stuff. Right. Um, and so that, I mean, that really worked out in my favor because that was right at the end of the baseball season. So kind of, um, I was able to practice and play with the team nice. uh, that year. I was able to you know, start some games as a freshman, uh, fill in sometimes, uh, able to get some at bats. So that was able to go through that entire season unhindered really that's awesome that's good and uh and i know you talked about a little bit um uh when they when you're interviewed for the news about that um you felt like you were able to uh, put a little more weight in your total because you had that extra time yeah i had another another um 10 10 or 16 weeks no eight weeks to to kind of prepare for it um so it was another eight weeks with with phil you know, which yeah. was still very new to me. Sure. Um, and, and that philosophy to, to get my strength up and really peak for me instead of being, at the time it was like 12 weeks out to 20 weeks out. So that's another, you know, a lot more time to, to eat, recover, get my body right, uh, build some strength, build some technique. And I, I mean, if I would have had to compete in, in March, I probably wouldn't have done as well as I did. Totally. Yeah. There's more experience, mm-hmm. more training. It's yeah. good. Um, and going into that meet, um, I know you mentioned Morgan already. Um, he's someone who just like from listening to Travis Mash's podcast, like he shouts him out all the time, like, "Oh my, my freaky kid, he's so strong." Whatever. Yeah. Did you know of him going into that meet that you were going to be uh, competing with him? Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. So um, I guess we kind of go back to my first ever national meet in 2019. Oh, okay. So it would have been like two years prior. Mm-hmm. Um, we actually that was my first national meet. Um, and we shared a warm-up platform. Oh, cool. So at the time, we had no idea who we were. Um, <laughs> but now he, uh, he's my dog, so awesome. we're, we're, we're good buddies. And um, But, I mean, back then, we had no idea who we were. Like, it yeah. was um, him, his mom, and then Dave Spitz was on the back, too, for his session. Oh, that's athlete. badass. So it was, I mean, like, my first national meet was very eye-opening. Yeah. Um, and then fast-forward a year later, uh, he didn't do Junior Nationals 2020 because of Junior Worlds being a couple weeks after. So he, sure. he passed on that. He was still there because uh, mm. – so I, I talked to him after the session. I was like, dude, thanks for not competing because <laughs> I, I won. Yeah. So I'm, And then fast-forward another year, we did a, a training camp in Salt Lake City, um, which for me also worked out because um, I didn't have practice for finals. Mm. It was finals week, and my finals were online. So I was able to go to Salt oh, Lake nice. City – Brought my schoolwork stuff. Took took my finals <laughs> online in the hotel room, and then you know later that afternoon I'd go go down to the to the training center and and, and train with everybody. So, oh man, um, I mean that was I guess, um, you know the first time meeting everyone that was on on the team. So I I'm out of the loop a little bit because um, when I first started getting in, um, participating involved with the sport. They had the um, Olympic Training Center in Colorado. Yep. And they had shut that down. Yeah, so they used to basically have all the, at least all the, the, the highest ranked senior athletes would have, would live there and train, mm. essentially. Um, and they shut that down due to just funding or a lack of sure. whatever it was. And so, I mean, they kind of, I just moved, they do camps kind of everywhere now. Mm. Um, and at least for COVID, they were set up in a Marriott in Salt Lake City, and that was where the Olympians would train also and then when they you know would go back and you know train like normal uh, mm. the coaches were there and they invited the juniors there that's awesome for, for a training camp there I, I had no idea they were doing that so they almost have like a like a mini like Olympic training center like in Salt Lake City at least at that point at the time yeah, yeah. so it, it didn't really last that it was, it was just a couple months oh, cool. um, so okay. they did a couple camps with the seniors and then yeah. one camp with with the juniors that's pretty cool um, 
And so, I mean, they kind of move around. So it's basically a, a mobile training center. <laughs> wherever, the, wherever the Team USA coaches go, they fly yeah. the athletes in and train wherever. I had no idea that was going on. That's pretty cool. Um, all right, so um, Junior Worlds, uh, you show up, you're, training with, uh, you're competing with Morgan, mm-hmm. um, you're in Uzbekistan. Yeah. How was that experience? <laughs> that, was, that was crazy. So I, I, other than one time when I was really young, I hadn't really had a across-the-world trip. Yeah. So, I mean, for one, it was like, man, I fly from New York direct into Uzbekistan, a 12-hour flight. Oh. Like, I, I leave at 1 p.m., and I show up at 11 a.m., 12 hours later. So it's oh, like... Man. It was 48 hours of, like, straight daytime. Sure. Um, but I knew to try and get myself adjusted to to sleeping normally, I had to stay awake as long as I could. Yeah. Un- until it was nighttime locally in Uzbekistan. Yep. And so normally some people would take several days to kind of acclimate to uh, to the new time schedule. But, I mean, I was able to stay awake and get my sleep <laughs> right uh, good right away. So, I mean, you basically that was... basically pull, like, an all-nighter? Yeah. It was, <laughs> I mean, like, 20... 24 probably 36 straight hours being awake from the time i left in new york to to get in there um so i mean i guess that was kind of obstacle number one but like yeah. everyone on the team has either experienced that or went through the same thing yeah. and so i mean you kind of brush it off like if you're yeah. tired like suck it up yeah <laughs> everyone's gotta go, tired gotta, gotta go train right yeah, right pretty much how was um um did you get to i've never been to uzbekistan i'm not even sure if i could point it out on a map i'm sure it's in eastern europe somewhere yeah but um, um how was it? It, right. it? it was really nice. Yeah. I, I guess going into it, I kind of researched things a little bit, just yeah. to like see what things were like, and it was very um, almost kind of like uh, Russia, I guess. I think, yeah, I think sure, Russia yeah. borders it, but yeah, I mean a lot of like white cars, kind of white buildings, um, really arid climate, mm. almost like a desert. Really, um, but it wasn't it wasn't too hot there. Yeah, uh, but I mean, unfortunately, we weren't able to really get out and travel too much because yeah. of COVID. Um, sure, so it was, sure as close to a bubble as it gets like you get there you get test got tested for covid like three times oh wow you could only go from your hotel room to to the bus to go to the training center training hall the events um the place and there and back and then meals and stuff so it was not not much time to really get out even yeah you kind of just see it from the window pretty much yeah (laughs) i mean if, if there is like an off day um we we had to have like a chaperone kind of take us other places. So I, there there's one day that I went with Morgan and and his mom Crystal to go oh, shopping cool. somewhere. So nice. Um, kind of uh, going off on another tangent because um, we haven't uh, we're kind of pretty far removed from when like the NBA and like some of these other sports were they were like participating in this bubble. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think they did a pretty good job of it from the start. Like a lot of kind of kept COVID out of a lot of those leagues. Yeah. Um, do they have any issues with that? No, so I well we we did have one guy who mm. we had to take a test before leaving the U.S. to even get on the flight to go to Uzbekistan. We had one guy who tested positive, unfortunately, mm. so he wasn't able to compete. Sure. Um, and I, since then, I don't think there have been really any any COVID scares, at least. That's um, good. Yeah, that's awesome. So I mean, they they've kept it clean. I think if you know you're going to travel, like at least the two weeks prior, you're like don't don't go out don't <laughs> yeah don't don't submit yourself to to any risk to, totally. to getting the virus so that makes just sense being mindful of that definitely um uh and okay we got to talk about um how you did so snatch clean and jerk total um snatch you uh well i'll i'll let you talk about it yeah um <laughs> so being my like first international meet not really looking for a medal because sure so so far removed from that i was just mm-hmm. get some open conservative get some lifts on the board and then yeah 
you know, build to maybe like a one or two kilo PR on your third attempt. And so, I mean, I did just that. I opened snatch at 130, which I've opened at that weight um, previously. Yeah. So it was like, you know, I, I can make this go out there, hit it routine, um, and then just take take whatever jumps the coaches want. There, I mean, there's no really, you're not fighting for placing at that point because I, yeah. I was in the B group. I was, you know, just kind of sniffing the top 10. So it was... Yeah. <laughs> You know, just come away with with your own individual wins. Totally. So I hit 140 on my third attempt, and that was my first time hitting that weight in a meet. So that was that was mm-hmm. pretty cool to come away with that. And then clean jerks. I mean, same thing. Like trying to adjust to having to come, you know, 30 30 minutes or so to to build back up for clean jerks. So um, open 165. It was kind of easy. I, I think that was probably one or two kilos more than I've ever done before <laughs> for, awesome. for, for op- to open with. Yeah. I've hit 170 in a meet before. Oh, okay. Um, so, I mean, just kind of hitting that on a second attempt and build towards a third attempt. But mm. I missed 170 on the clean, just a little stupid miss. Kind of the bar was out front, had to dump it off in the clean. Mm. Um, so I came back, kind of talked to the coaches about, like, you know, that was kind of a, a silly miss. Like, you've got another couple kilos in there. It's, yeah. it's not too risky so another two kilos went out there and hit 172 for a third attempt and that was also a pr at the time awesome and you were ninth overall clean jerk yep yeah so top 10 right <laughs> just just barely squeaked my way in there and then total you hit uh 312 kilograms overall 12th place yep i think it might have been uh 10th place was it 10th i think it might have been okay yeah so 312 I, I tied for ninth with someone else uh, oh okay but um that was a, a a total PR at the time too. So I think I did three oh eight previously. So another four kilo PR. Did it on the biggest stage possible. So that was really cool. That literally, yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. Very cool. Um, all right. So two other meets um, that I wanted to touch upon. Um, two other big meets, and then um, we got a couple other uh, topics I wanted to cover with you. But um, so next one um, chronologically is the Junior Pan Ams, which was in Guadalajara this past October. Yep. Yeah. So that was um, previously. There was another meet previous in, in July. That mm-hmm. was 2020 Pan Ams, but that was rescheduled. So that was. Oh okay. Um, I mean, I guess not not too important uh, going into that one, but. Hey, Pan Am. That's a, that's a big meet. <laughs> yeah. So going into the 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 2021 Pan Ams in October, um, I I kind of saw that as my chance to medal. So not a lot mm. of people did that because the Pan Am Games was a couple months after. Gotcha. So they didn't, not a lot of people prioritized that one. But being my last year as a junior, mm-hmm. I was like, I want to compete as many times on these stages as possible. Totally. So you know, even if I'm not in the best shape possible, I still just want to go there, experience that, hang out with the guys and, and gals. So um, did that. I decided not to cut weight. So I was a 102 at that meet really late. Um, but I was able to come away with uh, three silver medals from that one. That's awesome. So that was that was really cool. Um, from what yeah, I've that heard, was that was the first time, at least on that stage, kind of competing with someone. You know, kind of going button heads, neck oh, and neck, nice. trying to hit you know one kilo more than the next guy. So, I mean, I opened my snatch 135, which was the highest opener at that time, um, and then kind of sat back, waited for some other people to hit their third attempts, and someone hit 138, and so there's there's someone else way further ahead of me. So yeah. they, they were kind of out of touch. I was like, if I can you know hit 139 on my second attempt, that's you know, you're gonna secure a, a silver medal. So, awesome. did did just that. Tried to take 143 for a third attempt, but wasn't there that day. Mm. But I mean, I still was you know in comfortably in the lead. Yeah. For for a second place at least, and so I opened 
you know, same thing. Uh, I was pretty far ahead in the clean and jerk to the other guys, so they finished up their third attempts by the time I had my first. And so someone hit, I think it was 168 or 169. Um, and I was like, if I can open 170, it's a little lower than what I had previously wanted, but sure. I mean, you just got to secure the, the yeah. silver medal. So I did just that. Awesome. Um, and by that time, I had nothing else to lose. And so I was like, you know, see if we can take a shot at a gold medal clean and jerk because the guy was opening at 185 at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I took a 10 kilo jump to 180. I sat in the back for a while. Uh, had to kind of rewarm up, but I mean, a 10 kilo jump is pretty pretty massive and pretty, yeah. pretty ballsy. You know, if it's 22 if, pounds, if, yeah. If the, if the situations really call for it, so I mean, I did there. Kind of left it all out there on that attempt. Um, I was like, all right, I've got one more. Let this guy open up, and maybe you know, if things go our way, if I can hit my third attempt. Um, and he misses his last two. That's a gold medal clean and jerk. Um, so he opened up, hit 185. And I was like, all right, we need 186, which at the time was a monstrous number. Like, I think, like, 180 or 182 at the time was, was my best clean. So I was like, I mean, I came here with nothing else to lose. So yeah. we sent it. Um, barely, barely, barely missed it on the jerk. So I had to walk it out a little oh, bit and, miss, and missed it behind. And so, I mean, a little disappointed, but, like, I mean, what can you can't complain? Hey, what at can that. you do? Yeah, um, you gave it your all. The the guy who was who was ahead of me hit a one ninety three clean jerk. Anyways, oh my god, yeah, so it wouldn't I mean, mattered. Can't can't be disappointed yeah. at that. <laughs> who was um? And I meant to ask you on this last couple. Who who was your coach? Um, did they have a did team you say choose a coach for help to help all you guys at some of these? Yeah. Meetings, so there's there's I guess two main coaches. You mm-hmm. got Pyrrhus Dimas, who's Greek Olympian. Yeah. Everyone, I'm sure everyone knows his name. Yeah. Um, and but then, they should. <laughs> right. And then uh, uh, Mike Gatone, who is, like, the head performance director of USA Weightlifting. Gotcha. Um, and so, you know, sometimes they can't always travel to all these meets because they've got other things going on. Sure. So, I mean, they have, you know, as a USAW coach, you've got levels. you got level one, level two, mm-hmm. national, international coach. And so there's, you know, a couple of international coaches throughout the country. And so if, if Mike or Piros can't go, those they pick those guys to step in. Mm. So at Junior Worlds, um, it was uh, – I had Piros there, and then uh, Anna Martin, who is a coach from Kansas City. Uh, she cool. was super cool, super helpful. And then in October, it was bo- both Piros and Mike weren't there because I think there was a meet prior, you know, a youth mm. meet. They didn't want to travel country to country like that. Yeah. <laughs> which, I mean, which is tough, and, and props to them for doing what they do. But, uh, oh, totally. We had uh, Dave Spitz with Cal Strength stepped in, and then nice. um, Jackie Black also, who are very well known coaches also. So, I mean. Awesome. They they set us up with, you know, the best coaches out there. And so, you, I mean, you can technically have three coaches, and so they also allow a personal coach to travel with as well. Cool. Um, but Phil wasn't able to make it to any of those, mm. uh, which, I mean, it's no biggie. Like, I, yeah. I'm set, set up pretty nicely with Team USA, so <laughs> Definitely. it worked out. Um, is Phil still competing? Is he, yeah. Is he still compete? he, yeah. He's, he's not competing in Vegas, um, but no. he's, he's still, I mean, he's still training as hard as he can. Yeah. He basically preps himself to get ready for one or two meets a year that's awesome so it's super inspiring definitely um and then one more meet or or more if you if i missed some um that were important but uh junior pan ams pan am games yeah so it was you know like the olympic games it was a event with other sports like there's archery basketball handball stuff like that so just throughout columbia that's where it was uh, at Mm. the end of the year it was Basically, whatever 
whatever a junior was in a particular sport, like weightlifting U20, you know, some sports were U23. A junior for gymnastics is like U17. Oh my God. So you had gymnastics there. You had, you know, a lot of young athletes from throughout the Pan Am region there. Mm. Um, and so the selection process cool. for us is, you know, normally a team is 10 athletes uh, per side and then two per weight class a max. This one was only five. And so it was, it was super hard to, to qualify for that. I had to you know, compete previously to make sure I was the number one ninety six in my weight class, and so at the time also, um, Morgan moved up to uh, one hundred two, one hundred nine, and so that that opened the door for me at ninety six. Yeah, um, and so I was able to solidify my position as the number one ninety six, and I was able to travel to that one. So that was that, that's kind of like I guess the pinnacle of of junior weightlifting. Sure, is is that event. Because um, there, there's no, like, Junior Olympics. There's there's Youth Olympics, right. but no Junior Olympics. So that was, I mean... It's the event. Yeah, that the event, besides Junior Worlds. And so... And I've I've heard Pan Ams and uh, Worlds are pretty comparable events. Yeah. yeah I as mean, far you'll as have, competition. You'll have a lot of people, Pan Am side, that'll that'll win world medals. So it's... Yeah. I mean, it's it's right up there with, with the best. I mean, a... Obviously, like Asia is really good at weightlifting. They've sure. got you know China, uh, all the other countries there are super strong. Yeah. Um, but I mean, we've got you know, the U.S. and Colombia. I think Mexico is pretty good too. Yeah. Some of the top countries this side of the globe. Totally. Oh, that's really cool. Um, how'd you make out there? How'd you do? So I, I mean, it wasn't a great meet, at least from the snatch side of things. I opened one thirty-five, and I mean, for the first time ever, I didn't make a single snatch after that. So I was a little disappointing. Hmm. I was hoping for a medal. Uh, but at, at that stage, being behind by so much in the snatch, because I wasn't able to make another one, it was just like, you know, let's try and come out with another personal win, and I sure. uh, went out there and clean and jerked 185. Yeah. Um, took some took some big jumps to get there, but, I mean, at that point, you had nothing else to lose, and mm. just try and represent as best <laughs> as I can. Solid, solid. Um, cool. Hey, that's that's a, uh, that's a huge event. Yeah. So, I, hey, I mean, take it. the whole year in general was really... Eye-opening, just a lot of opportunities to be thankful for. Yeah. Um, so, um, uh, anything else? Any other? I know you said you uh, nationals next week. Yeah. Vegas. Uh, yeah. So I, I compete uh, July second, mm-hmm. but I'll be there for the entire thing. You know, for a week leading up to it. Awesome. Um, so yeah, I mean that's the next big one. Now that now that I've aged up into the senior ranks, it's nice. a lot harder to make an international team. So. You know, basically the dates I mark off on my calendar are Vegas Nationals Week and then the AO Finals. So two meets a year, trying to get ready for. Sweet. Um, so that's at least the stage that I'm in for, yeah. for weightlifting. That's cool. I like it. Um, and then a couple other topics I wanted to uh, talk about. Um, one of them, I, which I'm interested in, because you are at the, at least with the juniors, you're at the highest level. Mm-hmm. So, just curious what, um, I know USADA is, is known to be, like, one of the best, like, drug testing agencies, like, worldwide. Yep. Um, kind of, what's that like? I mean, I've heard stories of people just getting, like, doors knocked on at random yeah. times. I mean, like, they test, <laughs> like, a lot of other sports, MMA, yeah. uh, I don't know, if, like, UFC and stuff, but, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, they test all the other uh, U.S. Olympic sports, um, and so, at least with USA weightlifting, you have to... Uh, subject yourself to drug testing at a national event because mm-hmm. they're there right um and so at least from that kind of like entry level to being drug tested they usually test you know the podium of yeah. a particular session mm-hmm. uh, so like the top three you know sometimes they might 
grab someone randomly from like a B session or someone else in the A session to get tested. Sure. Uh, but usually it's it's top three, and if there's several platforms going on, they might not even get to a podium. Oh yeah. So okay. um, there's times, at least my the, when I won Junior Nationals 2020, I didn't get tested because I'm sure you mm-hmm. know there's another weight class, another platform that was being tested. So sure. I mean, obviously it's enough to keep people from taking drugs. Yeah. Because um, you don't you don't want to risk anything even if you're like well i could get drug tested but maybe not like you just don't risk it yeah um and so from from there like you know national meets you have an opportunity to get drug tested but if you make an international team you enter the uh the random testing pool uh, i think Mm. and so you i at least i have to submit my whereabouts to usada for them to randomly test me every Mm. once in a while Um, gotcha so how do, do they do that through like text message or? So they have it's it's like a website. You basically fill uh-huh. in where you live, if you work, mm-hmm. where you train, stuff like that. So you mm-hmm. try and keep that as updated as possible. Like if you're mm-hmm. out shopping and they come, like they'll call you. Yeah. Um, and you have to get back home and <laughs> you know get drug tests or else you get basically three strikes and yeah. you get a sanction if you're if you don't show up for right. those random tests. Um, That's pretty so, wild. Yeah. So I I mean I've I've had you know. My door knocked on twice here in Rhode Island. Uh, wow. Once, actually, three weeks ago. Wow. They, they came and knocked on my door. Uh, my brother was training in the garage, and he was like, hey, the, the P police is here. <laughs> so I was like, all right, perfect timing. I got I to gotta go to the bathroom anyway. So yes. let's fill out the paperwork. I got to submit all the, like, the supplements and stuff that I take. Yep. Um, and so they, at least for me, it's been like once every, every three months randomly. Wow. Um, plus, on top of all the times that I've been tested in competition. Um, gotcha. And then even international meets, too. They'll take uh, – not U, not USA or USADA. They won't, they won't be at international meets unless it's in the U.S. Sure, okay. Um, so there's also uh, WADA, the World Anti-Doping Agency. Right. That they they kind of take care of all the tests internationally. Sure. Um, so, I, I mean, the U.S. is, I think, the only country that has an agency, like – uh, domestically, all sure. other countries they they only get tested by WADA, right. and so I mean, <laughs> they there's a lot more leeway there and a lot. Oh more, yeah, like corruption from that side of things. But the U.S. like, you know, I'd say 99 percent of guys are clean. You right. know, there's always gonna be those people that that'll try and yeah. they might succeed, they might fail, but um, well, it's much harder to get away with it. Yeah, exactly, because you know you're getting tested every couple months and you have no idea if you <laughs> take a cycle or something. They might they might be on your door the next day and then, right. I mean, you can't not take a test, so, I mean, you piss and you fail, and there right. you go. So, yeah. I, mean, I'm, I mean, I'm confident to say that the U.S. is the cleanest country out there. 100%. For sure, yeah. That's cool. That's cool hearing it, because um, obviously I've heard it on, like, podcasts and stuff like that, but from someone who's, like, literally been in that, especially at the highest level, yep. like, kind of what it's like. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Um, and then I did some questions on your technique, because I saw initially... You were um, more of a split jerker, but then watching just some of your highlights, you went a little more to like a squat jerk or yeah. or a power jerk. So my first few years, at least through high school, I was uh, split jerk, and like everyone is split jerks. Yeah. Um, but I mean, it got to a point where I was like, well, I can clean a lot of weight, but I can't <laughs> technically split jerk and successfully clean and jerk. Yeah. What I can clean, like I might be able to stand up a clean super easily, mm. you know, effortless, but then. I just didn't have the technique at the time to split jerk. Mm. Um, just, I mean, just the way it goes, like I would, I would split, my back foot would go back, but my front foot would not go out. And yeah. so that bar, center of gravity, is way behind the bar, sure. and then I'd miss it. Yeah. Like even if I'm strong enough to put the bar up there because 
I, I knew I was. Yeah. So I, I mean, I ended up switching, trying out Power Jerk. Mm-hmm. Um, you were getting kind of low on some of them too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> p- pushing a squat jerk. I think yeah. my, but the only attempt that I made at junior nationals, it, I, I was pushed below parallel. <laughs> so I, on the national stage, I did a squat jerk, which you, you, you don't see it that often. No, you don't. Um, so I, I mean, that was also on tired legs too. So I couldn't, yeah. I couldn't stop that bar uh, with the weight overhead. But sure. When I started doing power jerk, the fall of my senior year, so kind of like before things started to take off for me. Um, my best clean jerk at the time was 150-ish. Mm. Um, I, I could clean it super easily. Like I, I think I cleaned 160 at the time also, mm. but I couldn't jerk it. Yeah. So I, I was like, you know, this is kind of the off season still in the fall. Uh, I ended up, yeah, I, my falls were free, so I was able to kind of just like lift because I didn't play football. Mm. Uh, I decided to stop playing football uh, my junior year um, just to focus on lifting. Uh, and so my, my, my seasons were weightlifting season and then baseball season sure. um, and so once baseball was over it was squat get strong yeah um but i i mean within two weeks of doing power jerk just trying to drive that bar as high as i can and, <laughs> and stop myself under the bar um i think within two weeks I, I matched my pr split jerk wow so i was like you know there's 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 some potential here there's not as much technique it's just a matter of driving that bar up and getting under it and then right. catching it um and so, eventually, I think I, it's, I was around 150, 155, my best power jerk at the time. Um, and then going into when I started to gain weight, too, is when the weight started to fly. Like, my back squat went up 10 kilos, front squat mm-hmm. went up. I just front squatted 400 pounds for the first time. Let's go. Um, and I, I power jerked 170. And so I was like, that's now more than what I can clean. <laughs> so I'm like, if... It switched. Yeah, so I mean, you, you have a lot more confidence when you know if you can yeah. you can jerk more than you can clean. You know, if you put it together, it should be there. Totally. Um, and so from there, I mean, that was I was like, I found it. Yeah. Um, but then eventually, you know, COVID happened. I trained on my own. Um, didn't really have any structure to get stronger, and everything plateaued. And mm. so when I I kind of made the decision, like, not a lot of people power jerk in the U.S. And there's a reason for that because I mean, it's not technically we don't teach it, at least coaches in the U.S., they teach split jerk. So yeah. I was like, if I'm going to make make it to Junior Worlds, if I'm going to qualify for that, I'm going to split jerk. So from there, um, Phil helped me out a lot, and that's part of the communication I had with him was fixing that technique mm. um, and just in, in the garage over that winter because at the time there was also four-week pause. So I was training in my garage oh, okay. during the winter. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I was in pants, bundled up with, you know, sometimes <laughs> I'd have to walk out into the garage, it'd be 40 degrees, and I'd have gloves on to warm up. Yeah. And by the time I warmed that bar up, it was I was able to, to grab it with my hand. But Was that in Minnesota or Rhode Island? No, I was here in Rhode Island. Wow, yeah. Because um, I was here for winter break. Um, gotcha. I was actually kind of an extended winter break because mm-hmm. I guess COVID kind of, didn't really get so bad, but, they, but the college kind of realized, like, people are going to travel for Thanksgiving, mm. just have things online after Thanksgiving. So I was home from Thanksgiving until the spring semester. Gotcha. So I was, I was here doing that. I was able to do the, the meet here. Cool. Um, but then it was right after that that I started to, to build that technique and to, to split jerk. And so now I've I actually uh, switched which foot I step out with. Mm. Um, I used to step out what? with my right foot. Yeah. Are you serious? So I was like, I, if, if I'm going to really go back to square one, I'm going to you know, teach, teach these movements. No way. Yeah. Cause I didn't, I didn't want to do split jerk the old way with the same foot. Um, so I was like, but the muscle memory is kind of there. So I don't want to revert back to that. So and if I was going to, and when was this, like what, what meet had you, had you had done, um, 
the Junior National Championships yet, or no? No, so this was um, after the AO Final 2020 in December here. That, okay. was, that was the last meet that I was doing Power Jerk. Okay. Um, so after that, it was, I had plenty of time. My, my next week was essentially uh, Junior Worlds, which yeah. was five months out at the time. So it was a lot, of, a lot of technique work, a lot of jerks from rack, just drilling the technique, drilling, mm. drilling uh, positional strength in my legs, single leg strength, because, you know, you're going to have different weight on, on yeah. each leg. So um, just building that and, and switching which foot I step out with That's was, so wild. was really just <laughs> developing, new, like, at least my thought process was, like, developing new muscle memory so totally. that I, 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 like don't, it. I don't revert back to how I did it before because right. that was really that was kind of just ugly when I like I got so many bad habits on this side right exactly that's good I've never heard of that but it's it's that sounds valid yeah and so I mean was it a year and a half after the fact I my jerk eventually crossed or I within the first few few weeks of split jerking I was able to split jerk more than I previously had with Mm. with the other foot um, and it was super easy. So I was like, you know, just keep building. Eventually I was able to jerk more than I was able to power jerk. So I was yeah. like, I, a lot of changing going on um, at the time, but I was able to just roll with it and it cool. worked out. That's awesome. I, uh, I, I would have never heard of that. I don't know if anyone else has done that, but. No, I, I mean, <laughs> I, at least as a, as a coach too, because I helped coach my high school um, oh, also. Cool. Um, so I'm like, at least. I was able to experience how to split jerks. Now I can kind of teach it too. Yeah. Um, I, I don't prefer not to have guys power jerk because it's, you know, even then it's not good. You, you, sure. you're, you're at a lot of risk for missing a lift with the oh, power totally. jerk, even if you're more strong enough, which was um, kind of what I was experienced too. I was like, I'm strong enough to put the bar up there. Boom. That yeah. li- lift is good. Right. Um, but I mean, if you're not very strong, you're not going to be a good power jerker, and so totally. you you've got to work that technique and the split jerk to, you know, properly get that bar overhead. Definitely. Um, two other two other questions I'm going to ask you. Um, that you posted a video recently with the, uh, I think the Viper Pit sunglasses, the uh, big sunglasses on. Yeah, they're, they they look like Pit Vipers, but they're yeah, yeah. they're uh, Oakleys. Nice. So I, when I when I got them, I was like, these are kind of like Pit Vipers, yeah. but like they're just a big obnoxious lens. Um, so I thought that was funny. And you were, were you squatting with them? I I was I was here when I did yeah. that. So I when I drove here to train with my brother because he's also uh, with the club. Cool. Um, I didn't. I forgot to leave my sunglasses in the car. <laughs> they were just on my head when I walked in. I'm like, well, I don't want to walk back. I'm just gonna wear them so <laughs> that's I, awesome so great I, for vibes yeah i did my entire session here with the sunglasses on it, it was a sunny day too and you get a lot of nice sunlight in here so nice um but i also didn't want to like leave it out because it's kind of a tight space here so i didn't want to yeah. drop a bar and smash my 200 dollars sunglasses <laughs> so i kept them on that's awesome we were uh were people pretty hype when you when you were in here yeah i think yeah. um uh, dave took a story and posted it yeah. and then it, it was super funny i it's just you know, sometimes Instagram is so dry for me, like posting the yeah. same stuff. So I'm like, all right, well, I've got sunglasses on. Got to have so. some fun. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and then along the same lines, um, you posted something recently. You were squatting with uh, classical music. Yeah. I mean, just is another it? thing, kind of yeah. just like switching it up, trying to be different. Yeah. Um, I, I've done that before. I kind of, I had a, a weird kick of classical music one okay. time, training to it. Because um, I thought I was like really, at least for Snatch too, it was like more soothing. Like Snatch sure. is a more technical lift. And you got to concentrate more. You can't have loud bass and a lot of thumping going on if mm. you're trying to concentrate. Mm-hmm. So I, I would snatch with classical music, and then 
at least you know some of my squat sessions too was not so much strength just like technique trying to cue myself to properly squat because if, if, if it's a light squat i want to do it fast but i also want to do it right sure so just trying to think think that through um try and concentrate on it and so i mean i went back to listen to classical music for a squat <laughs> session do you do you do that often or you just kind of switch it up no I, that's the most that, the one time recently that i've done it but <laughs> nice. I mean, training in the garage too get, gets kind of kind of boring. Yeah. So you want to switch it up, different types of music and stuff. You totally. don't want to. You also don't want to train with the same exact music. Train the same way because when you get into a meet, you don't have music at all. Yeah. So I mean, sometimes if you want to train without music, like a lot of times when I'm coaching the high school team, it's the music's kind of loud. Or mm. if if you're, you know, you kind of teach something, you don't want to yell or teach over over loud music. So a lot of times the sure. music's quiet, and that's. Yeah, train like you compete too. Totally, I like that. Yeah, that's that's one good thing about training here is like, um, depending on what coach is in the room, yeah. you could have vastly different music. Right. You have like obviously like the hip hop's huge in gyms, so you have mm-hmm. that. Um, you might have some like alternative classic rock. You might have um, reggae. Yeah. Jared loves reggae. Um, Dave loves like the old school. Um, or not old school, but like alternative, like country almost. Mm-hmm. Um, and he loves a lot of different types of music, so yeah. you hear all all sorts of stuff. Here. Yeah, that's definitely good because you don't, you don't want to become so dependent on yeah you know your music being how you succeed. Sure, you, know, you gotta switch it up, have some variety in your training. It's just like you don't want to squat every day because at some point it's gonna get old. So yeah, you gotta have some, have a little variation in all aspects of training. Totally. Um, the last uh, thing we we kind of already touched upon it, but I don't know if you wanted to have any uh, say anything else about it was. Um, I mean, so you're at you're at Concordia now. Yeah, Concordia College uh, in Moorhead. Uh, it's a really small liberal arts school. Like mm-hmm. no one out here has probably heard of it. Um, I I mean, the entire goal throughout my high school career was to get recruited for baseball. Right. Um, and they're they're one of those uh, one of those schools that were in it. And at least talking through my high school coach, like it's in the same town, so we've had, we have a pretty good pipeline of high school players from my high school going on to play college baseball there. So, cool. I mean, I, I followed followed basically everyone else and, and took that up because I also knew if I want to play, mm-hmm. you know, at first first year freshman trying to get some playing time, it's going to be, you know, I, I guess where I'm a little higher up on the depth chart because if mm-hmm. I would have went D two or uh, I didn't have any D one offers, but I had a couple of D two offers. Mm-hmm. It's I guess a lot more competitive too, and I still wanted to to lift on my free time, and so sure. not that it, not that baseball isn't serious at the D three level, but there's a lot more I guess freedom. Sure. Um, from there, so I was able to lift, play baseball, um, able to fit all that in with the with the class schedule too. <laughs> um, but I mean, I wanted to play baseball. I mean, looking back at it now, I, I don't regret not yeah. choosing not to play. But you know, my thought process, but uh, from playing baseball, is like you know, I've got four more years to play baseball. I'm not gonna go to the MLB or anything. Right, right. Um, I have no aspirations to play pro ball. So it's like four more years, play some ball, do what you mm-hmm. did growing up, um, and then you've got the rest of your life to weightlift. Sure, um, totally. Well, I mean, you know, the next ten years at least, <laughs> as long as my my back and my knees can hold up. Hey, there's there's guys doing it like well into their like oh, 50s, I mean, 60s. Yeah, Phil, you know? Phil's one of those guys. He's <laughs> pushing forward and he's still putting putting a lot of weight overhead. Yeah. Um, that's cool, but I mean, at the time, I I just developed so fast, and I I, mm-hmm. I guess I didn't really realize, you know, how how high of a level I was I was lifting at. So it was like sure. try and take full advantage of it. Don't uh, subject yourself to more injury playing a different sport. Um, right. I mean, part of that being athletic really helped, but mm-hmm. I mean, at some point, you've got to pick and choose between one. At least when it comes down to time and stuff too. Like sure, sure, you got to study. You got to 
focus on you know other aspects of being an athlete too, like sleep, training, stuff. So, nice. I mean, I, I don't regret it yet, but yeah, <laughs> I, there's there's some days where I wish I was still playing ball, but yeah, I mean, I, I still like lifting. I still love what I'm doing. So that's awesome. What are you studying? Uh, nutrition. Cool. Yeah, so that's, I mean, going back to listen to Dan Garner on the Barbell Shrug podcast, like that stuff is really, really insightful. It's a lot of you know, stuff I like to absorb. All right, well, I got to ask you before we wrap it up, uh, what, what's your nutrition like these days? What do you like to do? Um, a lot of ground beef, eggs, try and get some, like, brown rice, carbs, uh, stuff like that. I mean, I've only studied nutrition for a year now. Yeah. But it's, it's a lot of things just like... You know, you got to get your protein, get your macros, but you also got to eat. Yeah. You know, eat vegetables, eat variety. So, I mean, my breakfast is you know eggs and, the, and a wheat wrap, uh, nice. a little bit, a little bit of fat-free cheese in there. Solid. Um, try and keep the fat down, and then, I, I mean, I don't really have a lunch. I'll eat fruits, I'll eat a protein shake, and then nice. my lunch is like a rice bowl, nice. brown, brown rice with a little bit of eggs, some ground beef in there, and some. some oh, that sounds good so, too. I mean. It, it, it's a little boring now being home and having more free time, <laughs> but when I was in college eating the same thing, it was, I was eating to fuel and yeah. not eating to enjoy it because I was so short on time. Like I had, I had a class, like a morning class, eight a.m. until nine forty, mm-hmm. and then I would come back to to my apartment, cook breakfast real fast, eat it, and then go back to class. So it's like, yeah. I don't really have enough time to enjoy it. So it's just sure. more so eating to just eat, it in. eating to fuel. Yeah, <laughs> that's cool. Um, awesome. All right, so we'll we'll start to wrap it up. Um, two last questions for you. One, uh, anything or anyone you want to plug, shout out. And then the last question is if you have a favorite quote, monster, or saying. The way I describe it is, so we're in Rhode Island. Uh, 95 is a big highway here. Mm-hmm. So you get a billboard. We can take one of the lawyers off the billboard. We'll put <laughs> you up on there if you have a quote that you want to put up. Uh, um, so yeah, we'll start off, I guess, any... I mean, probably, like, your weightlifting team or, or college, but anything else you want to plug or shout out? Yeah, I mean, shout out to Phil, my coach, uh, always being helpful. All the other team members, like Tom Dewar, Kareem, a lot of guys that are on the team, and we, we hype each other up, so shout out to them. Um, shout out to my girlfriend. She keeps me accountable, keeps me training smart. Um, just, I mean, ha- being in a relationship keeps me a little more well-rounded, too, as a human, totally. so... Uh, shout out to her and all the other guys that I train with also back home. So Cool. Uh, do you have a favorite quote? This is a tough question for a lot of people too. Yeah. No, I, I saw this and I thought about it a little bit because I had to think about it. Um, yeah. But I guess going back to um, my baseball days, someone who I really looked up to was Marcus Stroman. He's a professional pitcher. Cool. Um, but his saying was, uh, height doesn't measure heart. So he, so, I mean, he was, you know, your prototypical MLB pitcher is like 6'5", really tall. Oh, yeah. He, he, he was 5'8", so he's more wow. more my size. Um, but he was, I mean, basically height doesn't measure heart. Like your, yeah. you know, your build, your, your, you know, your, uh, your stature doesn't really dictate how you do things. Um, and totally. I mean, I still carry that with me. It's like, you know, there's other guys that might be progressing more weightlifting and stuff and they might, um, you know, have certain advantages here and there, but it's like, that's not going to change the way that I do things. It's not going to change the heart that I have towards some things. So hundred percent. Yeah. Love, love that. that. Saying. Yep. That's great. Awesome, man. Well, we'll wrap it up from there. Cool. Glad to have you on. Appreciate it. Thank Thank you very much. Rody Strength signing off.